Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the College Hoops Daily Podcast presented by Betfred Sports. My name is Zach Kroll. I am your host, and this is the show where we talk all things college basketball from now until the end of the Final Four. The road will end there, and we have a loaded show for you guys. We are fresh off another epic slate of college basketball action last night. All focus is on college basketball now. As we enter the month of March, we get closer and closer. We're right uh, towards the end of February, and the NFL is over. The NBA All-Star break is this weekend, so really, all focus is on college basketball, and that's a great time of year for us who follow the sport day in and day out. And I'm not doing today's show alone. Former D1 coach Jamie Christian will join me, and we're really happy to have him back. He's been on the show the last couple weeks, and it's always great to have a former coach's perspective uh, talking all things college basketball. So, Coach, really happy you're with us here today. What's going on, man? How are you? Man, it's great. I mean, I feel like every time we jump on here, we're coming off just a tremendous weekend of college basketball. The parody that you're seeing in college hoops right now is by far the best I've ever been a part of. Um, it's a joy getting a chance to cover it with you. Absolutely, and that's a good point you make straight off the bat. I feel like for a lot of people, a lot of quote-unquote casual college basketball fans, they're going to start tuning into the season right about now. And one theme I've realized throughout the season, and I feel like it's going to hit a lot of people, is the one seeds, like, yeah, they're very good, but they could be caught off at any time in the NCAA tournament. There are a ton of teams that on their best day, if they catch a team like Purdue, a team like Houston, a team like Alabama, Kansas, those are the projected number one seeds right now. I feel like all of those teams have showed us they all have weaknesses. And if you're a good enough opponent, you could take advantage of that. So right off the bat, when I look at the NCAA tournament and things I'm looking forward to, I think the suspense of the number one seeds and how they're going to do is one storyline I'm looking at straight off the bat. And we haven't had an NCAA tournament where no one seeds have made the final four since 2008. That's a really long time ago. I think maybe just maybe there's a chance that could change this season. You know, I, I, you know, I agree. I think the parody gives an opportunity for that, but also I I definitely feel like there's some teams are really separating themselves in the pack right now. Um, What Kansas was able to do over the weekend you know, they're just getting better and better and better. Uh, obviously, the super talented Alabama team. Houston's the number one overall. I think we obviously have some questions on them. Um, UCLA, Purdue, Virginia. Like, I feel like they're just separating themselves right now into another category where you're just watching every game. They're just improving on something. And um, it, it's 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 going to be fascinating to watch the conference tournaments. Uh, you know, the conference tournament is a unique time because depending on the league you're in, you know, some leagues you play everybody twice. Some leagues you play everybody, you play some teams once and some twice. 
So the conference tournament is really a fascinating time because, you know, if you're playing a team a third time, you have a really strong indication of how to play them. Um, and so I'll be watching as a, as a coach to kind of see how people are game planning a third time to play against some of these teams. And even a second time you have good familiarity with it. So it's just going to be a great time. I mean, th- th- this is going to be a, a really epic uh, run to the end of the season. So I'm happy you mentioned the conference tournament because there were two results from the past few days that have really stood out to me for a couple of reasons, right? You mentioned Kansas. They just had a big road victory on Big Monday over TCU. And the thing that made that game so notable to me was the fact not only that Kansas won their fifth game in a row uh, with that win, three of those games have come on the road. We know just how difficult it is to win on the road in Big 12 play. But when you look at Kansas, they that was uh, their second meeting with TCU. TCU actually came into Fog Allen earlier this season and ran them off the floor. So those two teams split. They won on each other's home court. I'm hoping we see a third matchup in the Big 12 tournament. And also last night in the Big East, Marquette and Creighton, the two teams, in my opinion, that are built best from the Big East to make a deep run in March. They played last night and Marquette ended up getting the victory. And I have a feeling that those two matchups, we're going to see them again in the conference tournament just because I think those two teams are just really built well for that setting and they're just really good teams. So when you're playing a team a third time, I know you mentioned that you really know everything about them, but do you put a lot of truth and a lot of value into the statement of, oh, it's so difficult to beat a team a third time, or the more you see a team, the more familiar you are, maybe you're more or less likely to exploit some of their particular strengths and weaknesses. Like what is the difference in game planning for a team a third or second time around if, if you've only seen them a certain number of times during the regular season. Yeah, I always felt, you know, and statistics support this. If you beat a team twice, you're going to beat them a third time. Um, so I don't know who came up with that phrase. I remember hearing it a ton. And and uh, and then I said, let me find out. And I think statistics say if you beat a team twice, you're going to beat them, you know, some incredible number a third time. If you beat a team twice, you're, you're generally better than a team, unless there's an injury or something that just happens in the course of it that that you can't account for. Um, and so I, I, you know, I think when you go in that for me as a, as a coach, as an observer, I want to see the ways that you transition to playing different styles. Do you trap the post in game two and then you don't trap it in game three? Do you maybe have full court pressure after a free throw? Are you pressuring some person left more than right in game, game three versus game one? I'm looking at these little details that, tell you to give you an indication as a coach, as a person of how you want to beat this team. Um, teams generally won't make some dramatic changes, but they're going to make small changes. And then if I'm preparing for them in the NCAA tournament, I'm going to watch game three and I'm going to say, why did they decide to do this? Right. And I think it just, every game tells a story. Every, every under, every scouting report tells a story about how you can beat a team, how you want to beat a team. What you think your strengths are versus your weaknesses um, so it's exciting to be able to watch teams make, you know, answer the questions as the year goes on on what they think a team's real true strong points are and what their true weaknesses are. Definitely. And one of the biggest reasons I love college basketball is, as you said, in order to win games and advance in the NCAA tournament, you're going to have to be able to play totally different styles, adjust to that. And when you're playing a team multiple times, there could be certain differences or certain things that you realize now that you didn't realize the first time around. And I think that's so interesting. I mentioned the 
Marquette Creighton game last night, Marquette and Creighton played, I believe it was the first game of the Big East season in late December. And Marquette won that game at home, but that's when Creighton was really going through their rough skid. They lost five in a row going in. They didn't have Ryan Kalkbrenner. And even though I feel like at the time we all didn't realize just exactly how good Marquette was, I feel like even without Kalkbrenner in that game, okay, they win. People were expecting Creighton to even up the season series with Marquette last night playing at home where they've been so good all season and they have a 12 point lead in the first half. They lead by eight at halftime and still Marquette somehow, some way they find a way to get the job done on the road. And the other thing that was really impressive in that game was Marquette had a 10 point lead with about four minutes left. Creighton finds a way to come back. They're hitting shots. They're getting stops. And Tyler Kolick, a guy that we've spoken about a lot on this show, the guy that really makes everything go for Marquette, he hits a couple clutch, clutch shots over Ryan Kalkbrenner, not only the guy that's going to win Biggie's Defensive Player of the Year, one of the best rim protectors in the country, but I think that shot to give Marquette the win for Kolick, like that is just such a huge shot. I think it puts him in a real good position to win Big East player of the year. And when you look at Marquette, they have a pretty favorable schedule down the stretch. They will take on DePaul this weekend. If they win that game and Providence loses to UConn tonight, they are going to be the number one seed in the Big East tournament and take home a Big East title. So what a game for Marquette. And what else stood out to you uh, watching them last night? You know, number one, I mean, it's good to see Creighton back healthy. Um, you know, they're one of the teams that are going to present a lot of challenges because the way they can shoot the ball from the outside, they, you know, they space it so well. And, and they, you know, again, they throw the ball inside. You kind of mentioned that before. Yeah, There's not a lot of teams that play the way that they play, you know, being able to post isolate with a really strong post player, but also have that ability to really shoot the ball from the outside from three or four different guys. They're going to be an interesting matchup for a lot of teams. Like they're probably going to be a team that plays a little bit better outside of big East play than they, than they, than they do right now. Um, watching them play against Marquette last night. So that stood out to me, just them being healthy, I, I don't I never love Creighton's uh, pace of play. I feel like sometimes they waste some possessions on offense by going a little bit too fast. Marquette was able to to capitalize on that with a lot of steals um, driving when they're driving into the lane, being able to reach in and get some steals and turn that into easy points. And what I learned about Marquette is they're just a really tough team, really complete in a lot of different ways. Um, and their ability to score the ball, with multiple guys and to make passes and plays with multiple guys. And Kolick dominated down the stretch. But it was so many guys along the along the course of that game, you know, like Stevie Mitchell should be a guy mentioned for uh, Big East Defensive Player of the Year. The job that he does as a defender, uh, changing the course of of basketball games is ridiculous. He rebounds it. He guards the best guy every single night. He's in the right position. The steals that he had last night and these like help sink and fill positions, it's like a textbook for how you want a guy to play defensively. I don't know if we'll have the numbers. I don't know if we'll have enough steals. I think he is top 10 in the country in steals or something, you know, but what he does for them defensively is really unique. Um, and that that's a, they're going to be a tough out because you're going to have to beat them. And, and they didn't even make a lot of outside shots last night, which is scary. Um, if they do that, you know, they're really tough to beat. Absolutely. And when I'm looking at teams that I think are going to go far in the NCAA tournament, one thing I really value is not only your overall resume, but your ability to win big games, especially on the road. And we've seen a lot from Marquette. Like, they've won some really big games so far this season, beating Baylor. They beat UConn. They beat Providence. They beat Xavier. And they beat Creighton at home. But the one thing I was really waiting for to see with this team, like, okay, 
are they able to win a big game on the road? Because I think they have all the components of a really good uh, basketball team that could go far in the NCAA tournament with really good guard play, a really good distributor in Colick. They have a head coach that has been to the final four before, and they have a really good rim protector in Igadaro. Another thing that really stood out to me last night was their ability to make clutch free throws. Like not every team in the country on the road in that spot with a conference championship on the line would have been able to do that. And this is a Marquette team that really has had a chip on their shoulders since the season started being picked to finish in ninth place in Big East play. And you mentioned that they didn't even shoot the ball great last night from the outside, which is a really scary thought. And another scary thought I had not only for this year, but the overall future of the program was, okay, they lost two guys early last year, one to the NBA and Justin Lewis, another in Daryl Morsell, a really good transfer from Maryland who ran out of eligibility. Like besides from maybe Oso Iguodaro, who could have some NBA intrigue, like a lot of these players from Marquette are super young and they're going to be here for the long haul. And we both know that's how Shaka Smart likes it, keeping guys in the program for multiple years and being able to develop them. So I just think the stock right now for this Marquette program, it couldn't be any higher. And that starts this year. And it's just super impressive what Shaka has been able to do. Yeah. You know, having the kind of guys that he has that, you know, that play together, that play so connected. I mean, you know, obviously I've spent time there, their level of buy-in, um, as a team is is better than I've ever seen. Um, the stuff that he's preaching to them, they're picking up and adding to it. You know, I always say like like a great player, you know, when you give a great player something, it might be something small. He makes it into something really big. A great player has the ability to expand on what you're trying to share. They're expanding on all that, that Shock is really teaching them right now. And you can see that with their calmness. I mean, they're down 10 in the first half. You know, uh, you know, um, they're making a Creighton's making a run in the second half and the calmness that these guys have in their in their eyes and in their face. They're calm and they're confident. They've been in the battles enough now. They trust one another. They're only getting better, um, not just on the floor, but as a unit. And I think that's a really scary thing. You're, you're going to see in the next couple of weeks, a lot of teams start to fracture under the pressure. I don't expect Marquette to be one of those teams. Absolutely. And another thing you said that really stood out to me is that you think Creighton is built a little bit better against teams outside of the Big East. And you think yeah. they can take advantage of that. I'm, I'm just curious, like, if you could expand on that, like, what exactly did do you mean? Like, what exactly has stood out to you when watching Creighton that makes you feel like they could have a lot of success in the NCAA tournament? We know they've been very good uh, with Ryan Kalkbrenner in the, in the yeah. lineup before last night. And even, like, I was impressed. They were right there even – when Marquette is going on a 13-0 run late in the first uh, late in the second half. You know, I was kind of going down the list of teams that that are in the top 10 today and just kind of think well, we're creating not that they're there, like they're not a top 10 team, but their style of play, who would that be difficult for? Um, I looked at Houston. I think that'd be difficult for Houston. The number of threes that they shoot, um, if they can rebound the ball against a team like Houston, that could be tough. Um, Alabama, that'll be up and down game. Alabama will win that. Kansas, that'd be an up and down game. Kansas would win that. UCLA, a little bit of a grind. Creighton has a great chance with that because they have the three or four guys that shoot the ball from the perimeter. You look at Purdue, you match up on the inside well there. One of the few teams that can make make Zach have to guard on the inside, and then they shoot a ton of threes and a chance to control the tempo, so they could they could have a chance against a Purdue. You look at Virginia, the best defense teams in the nation. They've always struggled with teams that spread you out four round one that shoot the ball. They yeah, had Creighton in there. Um, and so it kind of just went down the list that way and just kind of looked at it and was like, their style of play could be tough against teams that have two bigs 
um, or teams that that really rely on their physical physical prowess. Um, I think they have a style of play. Now, it depends on matchup. You know, if they end up with a matchup early on in the NCAA tournament where they're playing a team that gets up and down, they could lose because I don't think Creighton defends nearly enough at the level that they need to, um, but they can score it. And so I just, when I looked at Creighton, I just kind of started going through the teams I had in like the top 10 and was just like, you know, there's probably seven teams right there that they have a great chance against if they get matched up with. And um, I just love the way that they have the capability of shooting the ball and throw the ball inside. This is not a lot of teams that have the ability to do that. That's one of the reasons why Purdue's been so dominant. They've been able to do both this year. Um, most teams right now can't do that. Yeah, and that goes back to what we were talking about with like why college basketball is so great is each matchup is just totally different. And it really comes down to are you able to adjust and play either enforce your way of playing like your style or being able to adjust to your opponent's style and going toe for toe with that. But with uh, Marquette, another thought I had, and I would put them in a category of a handful of teams that I think they're a little bit similar to teams that could really score the basketball with some really good guards, but it's going to come down to getting consistent stops on the defensive end. Xavier in the Big East, they had a tough loss last night to Villanova, their team that I put into that category. We all know that in order to have success in March, you're going to be able to have, you're going to need to have guards that need to create their own shot, but they struggle on the defensive end a lot. And with Marquette last night too, like they got the stops they needed down the stretch. And if they do that, like that's when I think they're really unstoppable. Another team that stood out to me that had a monster victory last night on the road that I think is also in this category that could do some serious damage is Miami. They're a team that went to the Elite Eight last year. They did lose a couple key pieces, but Jim Laranega did a really good job adding Nigel Pack from Kansas State, adding Norchad O'Meara as their primary big man. I think they're very dangerous. And the other team is Baylor. They suffered their second loss in a row last night on the road to Kansas State. We all saw what they were able to do in the first half of that game on Saturday in Fog Allen, Keontae George and Adam Flagler and LJ Cryer, just very talented guards, but sometimes they just have trouble getting consistent stops on the defensive end. So when you look at those teams, I think they're all built pretty similarly, having really good guards that could create, and that's a big key you need in March, but it's going to come down to getting stops on the defensive end. Do you like a team like that in the NCAA tournament that has guards that could score that could create but sometimes it could just come down to whether they're going to get the the right number of stops and out of those a uh, few teams i mentioned like who do you like who do you not like in terms of teams that could make a run in march i think you know the difference in guard play in college basketball is really small and what i mean by that is if i have a guard at mount st mary's and you have a really good guard at kansas the difference might be very small on who's actually better now, the guy at Kansas might be bigger, um, but the guard, I mean, guards, you think of the nature of being a guard, you're playing against the very best. You're playing tons of one-on-one. Like, you can win your guard matchup against a good guard. The biggest difference really comes down to the bigs because my big at Mount St. Mary's versus my big at Vill- versus the big at Villanova could be could be a large gap um, in, in between a, how, good how good they are and how the, how how demanding they can be to asking for the basketball and rebounding the basketball and going and getting the basketball at the backboard. Um, so a lot of times I don't think the guard play is as big a separator as maybe people think. I mean, the guards make the flashy plays. We can see what they're doing. We can understand guard play better. We enjoy watching it, but generally speaking, the guard play is so close. It's the wings and it's the bigs where they're the separator. You know, when you look at the average height, 
you know, I did this a few years ago. I looked at the average height in our league when I was in the Northeast Conference. The average height of the three-man was like six foot four. And the average height of the three-man in the ACC is probably six six, six seven. That's a huge difference. Um, and you're just giving up those kind of inches. And then when you talk about being the very best teams in the country, those differences can be, mu- can be much bigger. Um, and so when I, when I look at it, I think, you know, for me, I think, uh, I think Baylor could be really tough. Uh, Miami plays really small. And obviously, O'Meara is really good in there as they're, as they're big, but they're really small nevertheless. Um, but I like Baylor. Uh, I like the toughness that they play with. I like how their bigs rebounded and block shots. And Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, I, I could see them being a team that really gives anybody a lot of trouble and a team that can make a little bit of a run here because they have enough shot makers um, and they have enough on the inside there and they've been there before. So, you know, of the, of the list of teams that you give me, I, I look at Baylor more saying, you know, they're sitting at, I think they were sitting at number nine last week. They're going to probably drop because they had a tough week this week, but they're just as good as, you know, they they could claim and go in to play the top four teams and have a chance to beat them and, and be a really really tough matchup for for low to mid major teams trying to play up. Yeah, and I think the key for all those teams are just it's going to come down to can you get consistent stops because we all know those guards could really score the basketball. But uh, I did mention Xavier and they had a tough loss last night at home to Villanova. Sean Miller has done a really good job in only his first season back with that program. But I wanted to talk a little bit about Villanova because this is a team that obviously always has a ton of expectations. They make the final four last year in Jay Wright's last ride at Villanova. And they actually did return for those five starters, like Colin Gillespie, obviously a huge piece to lose, but he was the only player that started last year who's not back. But Kyle Neptune, he takes over as the head coach. And Villanova's season, it's kind of felt like to me, it's been doomed from the start. Justin Moore, he just came back recovering from that awful Achilles injury he suffered in the Elite Eight against Houston last year. And Cam Whitmore, really high-profile freshman. He had an injury early in the season, but he's back as well. And this was really the game I was waiting for from Villanova, going on the road to Xavier and picking up a victory that kind of shows everyone like, okay, we're back. And at the very least, we need to be taken seriously. Now they're going to have another huge opportunity at home on Saturday against Creighton. And I feel like if they could find a way to win that game, that's when the Villanova hype is really going to take off. But I look at this team and they have a final four nucleus. They have that DNA and they are really talented. Eric Dixon is a phenomenal skilled big man. Caleb Daniels, he can make shots from the outside and it is Villanova. I know Jay Wright is gone and he's obviously very tough to replace, but the culture, there's still parts of it that's still there. When you're in a position like that, like Villanova, where you know 
you have all the components to end this season really well and go on a run, especially at this time of year. What are the conversations like in that locker room when it just feels like it's just been such a frustrating season? I don't know if you've had a season like this where you dealt with injuries or any kind of adversity early on in the season, and it finally starts coming together late at the right time. But what kind of conversations do you think are going on in that Villanova locker room right now going into this big Creighton game, especially after the the big win last night over Xavier? Well, I think number one, they're finally healthy. Um, you can't, you know, we can't misunderstand how important it is to just be healthy. You sit down, you make a plan in, in the month of July for the season, how you want your team to interact and how you want them to play and perform. And then you have to make these pivots and adjustments when guys aren't in the lineup. You know, they anticipated Justin Moore not being back until later. Um, but, you know, Ken Whitmore is a, a dynamic player. I mean, he has a chance to be biggest freshman of the year. Uh, and you don't replace guys like that, um, especially if you lose Justin Moore. I mean, not many people have the depth to lose two potential first-round draft picks and then still stay at the same level. And it's just really hard to be able to do. So I think in that locker room, they all knew that they needed to get healthy. And they're probably all kind of circling their calendars when they're going to have everybody back. They've played really good basketball for the last two months. Um, been in a lot of close games, haven't been able to get over the hump. Now with Justin Moore back, you're going to see this Villanova team really start to be about to settle in and be who they are. I think I said in our, in our texts um, between all between us and Aaron, I was like, that team's going to make a run in the Big East tournament. There's no doubt in my mind that they could be playing on the very last day in the Big East tournament. Uh, the talent that they have, their ability to play, they're going to be super hungry. They've got their back against the wall, and so they can all just go forward as one. That makes them very dangerous. When you have talented, hungry players moving in one direction, doesn't matter what time of year it is. I mean, you know, they've done a great job of keeping that keeping that group close together. And Kyle Kyle Neptune has done a great job of keeping that group close together, continue to keep their fight in the right direction. And now we're going to get a chance to really see, you know, this Villanova team be what we were hoping it would be. So it's interesting. I'm looking at the Big East standings right now. Obviously, three games left in the Big East season and the Big East tournament. That's going to be huge. And one distinct advantage, Marquette is in the driver's seat right now. But Villanova right now would be the seventh seed. And there's still three games left to play. Things could change. But whoever gets that number one seed in the Big East tournament, they're going to be at a huge advantage playing a struggling St. John's or Butler team in the whoever wins that eight, nine game in the quarterfinals opposed to playing Villanova, the seven seed. Like if you're Providence or Xavier or Creighton and you're the number two seed in the big East tournament and you have to open up against Villanova, that's just a ridiculously tough spot to be in. Yeah. And, and again, I, I said, in our, I said in our group as in our group message, I just felt like they're playing, they're playing so much tougher, so much more together. You know, and and they're going to have a chance. We got three games left in the Big East place for them. Three games left for Marquette. Three games left for a lot of people. So there's going to be a little. There's going to be some jockeying that happens over the next week or so that kind of allows people to really settle in. You know, Villanova goes three and three over the last three games. They go into the Big East tournament at seventeen and fourteen, knowing that they need to, need to get to, you know, two or three wins to get into the dance. They're going to be right there. They're going to have a chance. Um, that makes them super dangerous for whoever they're playing. And I would say, like, let's not overlook St. John's playing in the garden, playing at home. You know, they, that's a that's a big deal for them. And they've obviously been struggling. But that game's going to be a little bit better game than what we might anticipate on paper just because of, you know, those guys have a lot of pride and they're going to want to protect home, their home court um, being there in the city. Absolutely. I was actually at uh, the Big East tournament last year and Villanova played St. John's in the quarterfinals. And that was really Villanova's biggest test up until losing in the final four to Kansas. So 
I definitely attest to that. St. John's playing at MSG in the Big East tournament. Anything could happen, and I really hope, uh, being here in New York, that they could turn things around over at St. John's. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, really quickly, and Villanova, one last point on them. They're going to end their season, their last three games. Home against Creighton, at Seton Hall, home against UConn. So each one of those games are going to be opportunities to really improve and upgrade their metrics. And another point I'll make, I'm looking at the NCAA tournament bubble right now, and it's pretty weak. I know we say the bubble is weak every year, but there are just a handful of teams hovering right around the bubble that honestly – I might may or may not have written off a long time ago. Like Oregon, they have really been struggling all season. They just took two losses in the state of Washington against Washington and Washington State, two teams that are nowhere really close to the field right now. And they only moved down a couple spots. Texas Tech, they've struggled a lot throughout Big 12 play. They've really been in last place in the in the conference for the majority of the season. All of a sudden, they've been turning things around a little bit. They've had back-to-back big uh, road wins over West Virginia and Oklahoma, they're climbing up there. Utah State, they just picked up their first Quadrant 1 victory of the season. They're hanging around. So if anyone could make a run, I definitely agree. It is Villanova. Yeah, I think, you know, the bubble's weak because we've actually got the right number of teams that are going in the NCAA tournament now. You know, each year you're looking around going, well, maybe maybe that team should have got in. You know, last year we talked a lot about Texas A&M. Should they have gotten in? Should they have not gotten in? You know, it was a question. Um, they've got the number right. The number of teams that get in, um, you know, the 12 seats playing against each other and all that. I mean, they've got the number right. And that's why any talk about expanding it is is bizarre to me because every year we're looking at the bubble saying, well, this team probably doesn't deserve to be in. I mean, Texas Tech spent three-fourths of Big 12 play in last play, and they're on the bubble. It doesn't even make any sense. Um, and so I think we have the right number of teams there. But like you said, it gives a chance for a team like Villanova to slide in there because it is so weak. And if they can finish up really strong here, their metrics are going to have huge jumps and jump leaps and bounds and give them an opportunity to be right, right there, right in the conversation. Yeah. The only argument I could think of that might make me feel a little bit better about expansion is giving the mid-major teams like more of an opportunity to get in. Like it always felt weird to me in the mid-major ranks. You could have such a great season when your regular season conference by a few games and all of a sudden you just have one off night in the conference tournament and your season's just over. I know technically you get an NIT bid, but we all know we want to play in the big dance. So that's the only argument that maybe would make even a little bit of sense to me about expansion, but we know that wouldn't even happen because Greg Sankey and all the other power (laughs) five, power six commissioners, they want as many teams from their league in as possible. Yeah. And you know, I just, I've been in that situation 
um, multiple times as an assistant, as a head coach. You know, not everybody gets to go to the dance. And I, I think when you know that at the very beginning, you know, I was always surprised, you know, being in the A-10, which is a multiple bid league, up until this year, it's been a multiple bid league. You know, you get to kind of march, and our guys were kind of, you know, they were, they were, I wouldn't say they were checking out, but they were really struggling to find hope at the end of the window. You know, like, hey, we've lost, we've had a tough year. But when you're in those, when you're in those mid-major leagues and it's one bid and you win the tournament you're in, it's like you get new life. You get more excited because you have the opportunity to play and win in. So um, I think it's great. I mean, I think, you know, every, you know, it's interesting. Each year there's probably one or two teams that, that, that don't get in because of it. Um, but rarely are those teams dominant. You know, rarely were they 15 and two in their conference or something. Usually, you know, they won the conference by a game or two and they were really good. They had a great year. Um, so I actually, I, I'm actually very much against expansion. I think we've got the number right. I think everyone's got a standard that they got to play to allow people to play to the standard. Definitely. And I think uh, at the end of the day, that's where I would stand as well. Uh, I do think 68 is a pretty solid number and hopefully we just see the best 68 teams in the field as possible. But Jamie, before we get out of here, you've done a really good job and I found a lot of these numbers interesting, keeping us updated with analytics and advanced numbers. And I feel like everyone has their different opinion on analytics and how much they really matter as an example, I'm primarily an eye test guy and like accounting for certain positions that teams are in or who they're playing, but analytics and the numbers are very valuable and they can tell a lot of the story. And one uh, file you sent over to us is transition shooting based on volume. So guys that could really shoot the ball well from long range in transition. And this is such an interesting part of today's modern version of basketball. I remember three, four years ago when these kind of quick triggered transition shots kept, uh, they kept popping up. And I just, I just remember thinking to myself, like what an awful shot. Cause most of the time they weren't going in, but I feel like as times have gone on, it's been a bigger part of the game. More players are getting used to it and being able to handle and make that quick trigger three shot. And, in a big game, like it creates a ton of momentum. I know Missouri, they had a big overtime win last night over Mississippi state. That's one team to mind that really utilizes this in a big time way. So when you were coaching recently, you know, three, four years ago compared to even last year, like, have you noticed any real differences in the three point transition shot? And when you're looking at particular players or particular numbers, like what else stood out to you when looking at the advanced stats? Yeah, you know, like being out this year, I've had a chance to really look at some different stuff. So my good my my good friend Austin Barone from Just Play and I kind of have this weekly conversation about stats and data. And I mean, he's been so gracious to allow me to like look in on a bunch of different stuff that they're working on there. They just do an amazing job with their analytics stuff. And I want to see, you know, Antoine Davis at Detroit. I was just so confused. Like, how is this guy? I mean, he's gonna he's gonna break the NCAA record all time for scoring. Um, and I'm like, how is he doing this? You know, like to me, like that's an incredible, like when I, I remember looking up that stat when I was first getting in college and saying, no one's ever going to break that, you know, no one's going to ever break Pistol Pete's scoring record and for him to be able to do that. And, and so I kind of challenged also, and said, what are some stats that he's doing? And they're like, you know, so we pulled it up. It was like 37%. He's taken 37% of his team's transition shots. You know, I've always knew that the best player, the best scorer scoring transition but 37%, that is an incredible number of transition plays for him. So now my part as a coach then would be go back and watch the film 
and to see, well, all right, how are they getting him 37% of shots? Because, you know, everybody, every team they're playing are trying to line up to stop him to slow him down. And they're saying, well, let's not give him anything in transition. You know, someone else up there is Darius McGee from Liberty. He's at 35% of, his, of, of the transition shots for Liberty. Um, and so you just start looking, you said, how are the very best doing what they're doing? And then you ask the next question, you know, how are they doing it? Why are they doing it? And, and it's, so it's just kind of been an interesting thing to be able to look into that and, and just to kind of learn like, wow, like these transition opportunities are going up and up every single year. Um, now, the other thing, when you look at it though, and you look at the list, very few of these teams have a chance to make the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Um, and so there is a thing about pace of play. Like, are you playing too fast? Um, what is that sweet spot that's perfect for your team? And what's that, you know, and where is that? You know, I think that's the biggest thing with analytics, honestly, Zach, that, te- that people have to figure out because it doesn't matter if I take 40% of my shots from three, if I shoot 32% as a team, I'm going to lose if I take, if I, if I do that. Now, if I shoot 33% of my shots and I get up to 50%, then that gives me a chance to win. So knowing the data and where to use it and where you need to get to for your metrics becomes really important. Um, and so not surprised teams are taking more transition threes, um, but really surprised at this transition list that there's a lot of teams that won't make the NCAA tournament that are playing really, really fast in transition. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point you made about a lot of the players on this list. Not Their teams aren't exactly having the best seasons, and it is a really hard way. Like, you got to find that balance in terms of, okay, what is – the right amount of transition shots to take because there's nothing more frustrating when you have like a a good opportunity in transition. And I understand like why a lot of the focus is on the three, but it just feels like such a momentum shift at times. It really feels like a shot that you have to make or else sometimes it it could just be so deflating. But coach Kristen, I wanted to say once again, as we're running out of time, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, any last thoughts for you uh, on the slate last night and any, uh, anything else we've seen around the sport and recently. You know, it's it's just it's great where the game is right now, how competitive it is all the way to the very end. Um, the metrics have definitely helped that because um, you can see where you where you are. I remember you know, early on in college basketball, you wouldn't know where you were. Like, are we on the bubble? Are we off the bubble? Do we have a chance to be in? I think everyone knowing where they stand, first four in, first four out, all that stuff uh, builds for competitiveness. Because I can look at my metrics like we kind of do with build over there and say, man, if we have a good weekend here, we're right there. And you can actually do the math and know where you are. That makes college basketball even better. Yeah, it's funny. I know a lot of people had reactions over the weekend to the top 16 bracket reveal and, and the yeah. 16 teams being named. My idea, and I've heard this a few places as well, instead of releasing those when we know they're going to change like right as the games are being played, why not release a first four in, last four out if the yeah. tour was today? And I feel like that would give at least teams better knowledge of where exactly they stand and what exactly they have to do to get into the tournament. And I'm, I'm all about transparency. I think transparency obviously builds clarity for the for the people that it, that it governs and gives you an opportunity to know what you're shooting for. Absolutely. Former D1 head coach Jamie and Kristen joining me, Zach Curl, here on the College Hoops Daily Podcast. Coach, I wanted to say thank you so much for joining me today. Looking forward to doing it again with you soon. Always. Thank you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.